welcome to Reservations. I'm your host, Rain Whalen. And I'm Jeremy Blair. So, uh, once again, another <laughs> two-week break. Whoops, this one's my fault. Uh, well, I mean, it was kind of both of our faults. I, I openly said that I was going to do a solo episode, but once I got back home from Austin, I was just kind of like... It'll be okay. You didn't want to. No, no, you didn't, didn't want to. I was also in a lot of pain, you know, with the, with the tattoo. Uh, like, I've never experienced such pain in my life. Really? Well, no, that's a lie. I broke my... I broke this arm, actually. Oh. So, that was the worst. But no, like, no, yeah, it was... Was it really that painful afterward? Usually when I get tats, they don't... Uh, it, they're not uh, painful afterward. So, so just annoying to take care of. It didn't hurt. Until he started coloring it. That's when I was in a lot of pain. And, yeah, my arm was throbbing for the next, like, three days. And I didn't want That's anyone to touch it. And I had to go to work on Monday when I, after we got back. And I was just like, oh, don't touch my arm. No one... No. And living in West Texas in the summer, I mean, the heat just oh, kills it. And, I mean, you can feel the heat because, you know, your skin's gone. This is new skin that's going to grow. And, you know, it's it's like you have a a really, really bad sunburn oh, that yeah. you just got. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's, Ashley's description I like the most. Uh, it's an open wound. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's still healing. It's still kind of abrased, but it's peeled back already. Yeah. So yeah. it's... That's good. It's almost done. Yeah, it looks great. Anyway, uh, so welcome back, everyone. Um, as we said, as we teased in two weeks ago after uh, Stalker, um, that we we're going to be talking about uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, this, like, I had the conclusion... Um, while I was in Austin, actually, because Ashley watched it for the first time. Okay. And I warned her that this this movie is, like, I don't give it a set genre. I, I It's an experience. Like, yeah, it's got funny moments in it. It's very dramatic at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just... It doesn't have one genre. It's just you experience the movie. You know, the, I think the best way to describe it is it's a Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, Straight up. Um, that alone gives it some sort of um, preceded... Um, like surreal... Yeah, I mean, it's it's got a preceded reputation when you say Terry Gilliam. Oh, yeah. Especially at 97, right? Yes. Because um, he had already done Brazil, Time Bandits, and... Um, a host of others. And, oh, yeah. um, oh, and Terry Gilliam, as a, as a director, has he doesn't have a set style either. No. But anyway, um, so we're, we're going to be talking about the movie as well as getting into who Hunter S. Thompson was. Because uh, in case anyone didn't know, he died in 2005. Five, yeah. Um, suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, R.I.P. Um, but we're also going to talk about a little bit about the book. I don't know if you have you read the book. I have not. I really want to. Like after seeing the movie multiple times, I really want to read it. Um, but what what scares me is that it has no clear narrative. It just and that's kind of how the movie is too. Yeah, this is like the beginning of his Gonzo journalism sort of style, mm-hmm. and so it it isn't straightforward. It is in the moment. Oh yeah, right. And it's just the it is chronologically. Happening, right? Yeah. But it's so sporadic because you know he's again on all of these drugs, <laughs> drugs right? Cocaine, uh, uh, mescaline, LSD, acid, ether, ether. Yeah. Um, 
the drug they made for the movie, Adrenochrome. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Oh, he put so much in his mouth. He, he, he did a little drop, and then he dipped it back in and did some more. <laughs> and, and then and then full-on just starts eating cocaine off of the knife. Oh, it's the it best. Just, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we, you know, we, we really want people to, well, at least me. I don't know how. I'm sure Jeremy, too. But I really want people to understand who Hunter S. Thompson was because, you know, we both watched or rewatched the Gonzo documentary, mm-hmm. which is everyone should also check out. Um, and that's really interesting kind of seeing how he went from this just freelance journalist to the guy that everyone knew as high every minute of his <laughs> they, life. You know, and he's a, he's a really good writer. Oh yeah. He's, um, you know, even his hell's angels. Yeah. Which really got him his start really. Yeah. And it's really well done. And it's not, it's not the gonzo journalism. Like he did it like an actual straight journalism. Yeah. But, Cause he, uh, he, li- he, as the gonzo documentary said, he lived with them, right? Yeah. Like, like traveled with them, right? Yeah. He was with them all the time. And that's crazy to think about. I know. Especially, you know, in the sixties, the, the hell's angels were, yeah, they're the Hell's Angels. Yeah. And I don't remember if you may jog my memory, but in the documentary, they mentioned his relationship also with, and I forgot her name, uh, the lead singer of Jefferson Airplane. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is really cool. That Which they, I forgot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that would make sense why they're so predominant in the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so stick around, guys, because this, I have a feeling, where is also going to be. An experience. A little jumbled, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even taking notes, I mean, they are just scribbled because I'm so frantic to write it all down. And uh, that my handwriting gets so much worse as we go along because, I mean, I would have to pause it because I am so... I'm so amped watching this movie. I'm yeah. on the edge of my seat. I am disoriented. I'm, yeah. you know, nervous. I'm, you know, And so writing all this down, it was like when I wrote... Uh, a paper in college for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I had to keep pausing it just to catch my breath because it's so it's so tense and so you know violently you know just I I, they're so mean to each other (laughs) they're everyone's yelling at each other anyway this was kind of like that I had to keep pausing it just so I could and then write it down yeah see I I just didn't take notes because I was like this is this is going to be crazy. Uh, I might as well just put it in the, in the memory bank. So, um, so I, so as we kind of were briefly talking about off mic. So, who who was Hunter S. Thompson? So as, as I kind of stated, he he started as a freelance journalist, um, and as we were just talking about, he began following. He was asked to follow the Hell's Angels, right mm-hmm. by. Rolling Stone, wasn't he? I believe it was Rolling Stone. Um, I know he he was with Rolling Stone for a while. Oh yeah, because they they eventually as the last part I remember watching of the Gonzo documentaries, they eventually put him on payroll. Mm-hmm. So and in the uh, in Fear and Loathing, he was writing for Sports Illustrated. Yeah, because um, yeah, he still stayed freelance. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, so he so then as Jeremy mentioned, you know, he wrote Hell's Angels, which was a 
because he was with them for a year, I think right? It was a little more than a year, yeah. Yeah, and wrote about what he was experiencing, like what he was seeing. I mean, just the whatever you thought the lifestyle was, he wanted to make sure that was accurate, and he. Um, you know, any preconceived notions, you know, he's like, well, you were kind of right about this part. You know what I mean? And they showed a um, in the documentary, they showed a clip of him on a talk show. And one of the Hells Angels was calling him out. Yeah. On, saying that it was, it, was, it was bullshit. Yeah. And he's like, absolutely not. It was not bullshit. You were I was watching that guy beat his wife to death over there. Yeah. And he goes, nah, man, if we had seen that, we would have stopped. And he goes, well, you didn't because I saw it. Yeah. He was, yeah and he was like, you know, everyone. He was like, everyone was watching it happen. And, and what I thought was funny is the guy was like, well, whatever happens between a man and his wife is his oh, business. Jesus. And, yeah, like you said, Hunter was like, well, yeesh. But he was beating her to death. Yeah. And his dog. Yeah. And then they jumped Hunter. Yeah. You know? And then they beat the hell out of Hunter. Yeah. And the the photo of him with his, with his eyes swollen shut. Yeah. But um, so, like Jeremy mentioned, like that was – and even the Gonzo documentary, they said this was him kind of – learning his style yeah and then that's when he started doing drugs and and I believe before they got to um, Fear and Loathing he ran for mayor yeah, sheriff sheriff yes yeah, yeah, I, yeah, sheriff. I thought it was mayor but no he ran for, yeah, he sheriff, ran for sheriff that's right in Aspen Colorado <laughs> and almost won he was really close that was the crazy thing he almost won um, I love that he shaved his head just so he could say well my long haired opponent here yeah. because you go in the in the you know late 60s if you had long hair you were a hippie and a dope fiend and a you know not mm. to be trusted you're mm. against the establishment and mm-hmm. you know he shaved his head completely bald yeah, and so and so that's you know he he's 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 taking you know cocaine, he's smoking marijuana, he's he's already well, it was the sixties. So no, he was probably doing that. Well, no, that was the that was the early seventies. Yeah, I think it was that. like sixty nine or seventy. He was yeah. trying acid. Yeah, he was doing acid. So you know the 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 formations of what he became. I think happened during that time. Right. And then he joins up with Oscar Acosta, lawyer and uh, Mexican-American activist. Guy's out of his mind. Yeah. And uh, we got fear and loathing. Um, Because I I, I wanted a little bit more information on the book. And they took two separate trips to Las Vegas Mm -hmm. um, in March and in April. Because... You know, and I, I know you watched it too. In the in the documentary, they said how he was convinced that what you know all the beatings that were happening in Chicago during mm-hmm. the civil rights movements was the the death of the American dream. Mm-hmm. Because <clears throat> what's funny is the well, I don't think it's funny. Well, it's sort of funny of how much a how much he, Hunter S. Thompson loves America, mm-hmm. like loves. America and uh, especially loves the right to bear arms. Yes, he does. Uh, loves his guns. Like our, the, the part where they're talking about how he went uh, boar hunting with a machine gun. Yeah, and I don't remember <laughs> where he was because I I recognized the the part of the area he was in when he did that, and I, it with a submachine gun he would hunt wild boars. Like, who but does that? Hunter S. Thompson yeah. does that, and I do like that they depicted a little bit of this personality trait in Fear and Loathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's in the middle of the movie. He's it's uh, after he gets pulled over by Gary Busey. By Gary Busey, and he knows he has to go back to Las Vegas. Oh, poor guy. So he's out in the desert, just like just shooting his yeah. gun and. Uh, um, yeah, so yeah. so we get fear and loathing, 
And Hunter is, as Jeremy mentioned a second ago, hired by Sports Sports, Illustrated to cover the Mint 400, which is a uh, a giant motorcycle ATV race. Um, And then he's also hired by someone else, right, to do another story. I want to say it was Rolling Stone for something else. I can't tell you. That's um, I've yeah. really never thought about. Again, this movie's so disorienting. Well, it's you hard even for me the to book keep track. itself, you know, yeah, it's really hard to keep track of what's happening in what order and if this is real. And if I'll tell you the most, I mean, I almost got physically sick this time um, <laughs> with the that scene where he's trying to. Oh my god, trying to get Doctor Gonzo off of the carousel bar. Yes, I, and he's like, make it stop. I never get motion sickness, but that was killing me because it's revolving around the, the bar. bar in the center, which is standing still. But and then there are people sitting in booths that are rotating. rotating. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like a gyroscope, and I just I couldn't handle it. I was like, oh. But and then I was also feeling the effects of them on ether, right? And you're mm-hmm. just, I'm just like, oh my god. I mean, it's so effective. Uh, oh yeah. Terry style. Is so effective, Mr. Gilliam. I'm sorry, I don't know Terry Gilliam. So, well, Mr. Gilliam. You, you know who who would have uh, accepted being called uh, by the first name, Joel Schumacher. Joel, welcome uh, back, by the way, Joel. Which, sorry, we made you wait two weeks. Uh, which Joel? I'm sorry that you had to use the term uh, toyfication on uh, Batman and Robin. <laughs> Sidebar, yeah, I was watching the behind the scenes of that. I, I can't imagine why. And because I, I, I wanted to know all the bullshit that was going on. <laughs> and uh, Joel was like, I've never since or before have used the term, like, I was, was ever told the term, make it toyrific. <laughs> and, ah, uh, man. And even, even Chris O'Donnell's like, I felt like we were shooting a, a toy commercial or something. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so 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 um, before we really get into the movie, I I love the fact that so when Hunter and and Oscar went to Las Vegas, you know, Hunter felt like that's where the death of the American dream was happening was in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that he returned to Sports Illustrated with like two. It was like sixty pages, yeah, of of just rambling bullshit, and it wasn't like it wasn't. It wasn't irrelevant. It was relevant, but it was but, too much. They and, asked for like a few paragraphs. Yeah, and they're like, yeah. And so I saw where Hunter said that they aggressively rejected it. Yeah. Um, but then um, Flash Forward, so that was 71. So flash Forward. 71. 26 years. Um, we get the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is um the second adaptation well as i uh, so i'm assuming you were mentioning of uh uh where the buffalo realm yeah so that i learned is considered a semi-biographical film interesting of hunter s thompson's life and fame okay so it's um, not just that point in his life it's no, um, it, it's his entire life okay you know i've never seen it i've seen i saw i sat and i watched about 45 solid minutes mm. And, you know, by this point, when I saw Where the Buffalo Realm, I'd already seen Fear and Loathing at least three times. So I knew what Hunter S. Thompson was supposed to sound like, what he was supposed to act like. And I love Bill Murray. I do, too. But (laughs) he did not know how to play Hunter S. Thompson. Um, 
And so after about that 40 solid 45 minutes, I just start skipping around. I'm like, okay, there's got to be what something's got to happen. And and Peter Boyle as uh, Oscar Acosta, which in in this movie, in that movie, they called him Laszlo. Okay. Instead of is because he's not, you know, what do they call him? Chicano <laughs> in, the, in the documentary. I guess. I don't know. Because Peter Boyle's not. No. You know, he's not Hispanic in any sort of way. No. And, and more the Buffalo Room is just, I don't know. It's, you want to, that, like, and I mean this, I don't mean this in the bad sense. That movie's a weird movie. Yeah. But not in a good. No, like, Fear and Loathing is weird, but in the good way. Yeah. So, Fear and Loathing in Las, Las Vegas. Um, so here's what I want to okay so <laughs> we can just start off with the opening which is fantastic and of it's, all the news footage of of the oh, wars no no, <laughs> no oh no, you no, mean no. when they're just speeding yeah. down no, we, were, we were at the edge of Barso when the drugs began to take hold oh it's great and that grabs you right well and apparently that's how the book starts that too. is how the book starts yeah and so um my favorite part about that opening is we are immediately shown you don't know what to believe when he is hallucinating the bats in his glasses and he's, you know, we can't stop here. This is back country. And mm. when they speed off, you see a dead bat. There's a dead bat under his wheel. I, I read somewhere that that was like a luck, like a happy accident. Yeah. Like they weren't expecting like there's a dead bat and they're like. Awesome, I think. I, I, there's maybe, no way that's true, but I, I you know, I mean, maybe. Yeah. But I doubt um, it. Um, but I just love that you're just like, oh, okay, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, because yeah, know, they, they just throw you right into it, and then you know, um, and you know, a lot of people say Johnny Depp is, you know, when he gets into his characters, he's unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I've been able to find Johnny Depp in his characters, you know, like Jack Sparrow and Edward Scissorhands and yeah. uh, Sweeney Todd. But still to this day, I I can't see Johnny Depp when I watch Fear and Loathing. Yeah. He's, I think it's because he's not acting like a normal person would. Right. Is why it's so strange to me. But um, yeah, one of the things I love about that opening is when he pops the trunk and there's all these different oh, drugs. So many And he drugs. names them all. <laughs> Perfectly, you know, uh, salt shaker full of cocaine and, yeah. you know, the mescaline and the ether, you know, quarter rum, quarter tequila, yeah. you know, this, 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 and that. And he, you know, and he even says, uh, you know, not that we needed all of that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the point is to push it as far as you can go. That's right. Uh, dude, this movie... I mean, and then and then we have the cameo of Tobey Maguire. Yes, that well, is one of several. And I yes. wrote all the cameos. Down, I was about to say, I'm like, I hope we talk about all the cameos. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, that's just. I mean, it's nuts. And then, those yeah, cameos. Yeah, that and that whole sequence of, of, Tobey Maguire hitchhiking, which. Uh, and I know you said you wanted to talk about him. Uh, he's wearing a Ralph Stedman shirt. He is wearing a Ralph Stedman shirt because in the book he's wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt, but they can't afford that, nor would Disney ever let. <laughs> yeah, Mickey yeah. in a, a movie about drugs. And... Right. And so Ralph just made one, you know, it's like, here you go. Here's here's the fear and loathing version of Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Um, and seeing that whole interaction is also, I feel like it, it really sets up what this movie is going to be, too. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're still 
you know, 10 minutes into the movie. Not even then. Yeah. And you and you still don't know what's happening. It's just two guys in a red convertible. Right. Trying to get out of California. We kind of, when they're talking to Toby, we do kind of get a reason why they're in the car mm-hmm. and how they got the car. But, you know, not really. You still, we still don't know who these people are, right? Yeah. Unless you read the book, you have no idea. Yeah. And I love the the choice of, and they mention it in the commentary, uh, Terry Gilliam mentions it, that every once in a while his voiceover and his mouth will match mm-hmm. for a second and then they stop, you know, right? And then he's like, and then he says that, did I say that out loud? You know? Yeah. <laughs> or did yeah. I think it, right? Because so, and, and all of his dialogue sounds ADR. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, all of Depp's uh, dialogue in the movie, no matter where he is, sounds like it's you know, done in a studio afterward. Right. Like dubbed in. Yeah, I can, I can kind of see that a Like little it's bit. part of the soundtrack. Especially, um, I can kind of see that, especially when it gets later. Yeah. In the in the movie, like when they're staying at the other hotel. Yeah. In the, what was it, the Pink Flamingo or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, so I just, I love that whole interaction because, you know, Tobey Maguire, the hitchhiker, doesn't know what to think of these two guys. You have one kind of chubby guy with his, you know, his shirt open. Stomach hanging out, yeah. Stomach hanging out. Blood, mysterious blood on his neck. Yeah. Um, Which we, I guess, I mean, we kind of, I I guess, you know, he cut himself. Because, you know, later in the elevator scene, he's got a Band-Aid on his neck. So I'm assuming he, at some point, had cut himself shaving or whatever. Um, And then you have Johnny Depp trying to... Just talk to him, like offering him beer, and it is my favorite shirt he wears in the whole movie. Is it's a towel like material sort of Hawaiian shirt that uh, uh, Hunter's wearing. Oh yeah. Well, Duke is wearing. Yeah. Yes. And um, oh yes, yeah, so we should mention too that um, when Hunter Thompson wrote the book, how he put himself into the book is uh, it's a character called Raul Duke, mm. and. Uh, and his lawyer, whose real name is Oscar Acosta, is called Dr. Gonzo. Right. So, anyway. Right. So, and also my favorite Gonzo, <laughs> my favorite Gonzo zine is him opening the salt shaker. Oh, and it just blasts. And then he licks it off the briefcase. <laughs> they told him he did, they didn't tell Benicio to do that. <laughs> he just went... They started licking it off the briefcase, and <laughs> well, and I and, and 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 you know only you know I've never taken drugs, but only a guy who's already high on something would try to open a salt shaker full of cocaine with the convertible yeah. top down. Yeah, right, in an open convertible, yeah. going sixty miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, and you could see that he he kind of was thinking like I probably shouldn't do this, so he licks his hand. Yeah, to try to get it to stay on, and then it just. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I love Johnny's reaction. His his just his screech like, <gasps> <laughs> and then uh, and I love that he calls him a like a, a like a cop. Almost like the like he was intending to to get rid of the cocaine. Yeah, he um he he meaning Johnny Depp um has some of the best paranoid freak out reactions. In this movie, mm-hmm. you know, like if the door opens, if the phone rings, he'll kind of really quick look at it, right? This movie's very paranoid. Oh, yeah. Um, 
which so was Hunter. And it's, I mean, it is like a central theme in the movie. Oh, yeah. Is paranoia. Oh, and, you know, and something else, too. In the beginning scene of them speeding from California to get to Las Vegas, so they could get their suite for free. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll have to pay for it. Um, <laughs> which I think is funny that that is a... Uh, that is a worry. Yeah. Like, oh, God forbid they have to pay for their suite. Right. Which, I mean, granted, I don't even know how they afforded the fucking convertible. I don't know. I don't want to know. But, um, <laughs> but like, in that opening scene, you can see that Johnny Raul is going to be the paranoid one of the two, and Benicio Gonzo is going to be the more violent insanely violent oh yeah because you know when johnny grazes his neck when he's talking to toby in the back seat he like yeah yeah get your hands up my fucking neck yeah like you you know you you immediately know like okay this guy yeah you might want to look out for this guy and he's so unstable and very unpredictable oh yeah the whole movie um the only time he's not is when he's sober which is i think like two scenes in the whole movie <laughs> yeah I mean, even even Raul. I, I mean, I want to say Raul is sober at least just once, and I think that's when he when he gets pulled over by Gary Busey. Yeah, I think he's had at already le- come down from his high. At least not as high as he usually is. Yeah. Um. I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, it's a. It steps on the it steps on the gas and it doesn't let go for two hours. Mm-hmm. So, but um, but then you know, so so after you know, we get the the backstory of the the uh, um, oh shit, the assignment. There we go. Mm-hmm. Of you know when they're when they're at the the lounge, and I love how he tips the guy who brings him the phone. He like shows them a handful of coins and just throws it. Hunter hates that scene he said I would have never done that it, you know he thought of it as the least the least like him because he's, really? he said he would have never done that he was so mad when he saw that uh, <laughs> other than that he liked it but he really hated the you know well because he does it twice him being mean to that <laughs> like for no reason yeah because he does it twice he he, you know, he it's it's that scene you know the maitre d or whatever brings him the phone yeah and he's throws the fucking change and then when he's leaving the hotel um after he's like trying to get out without paying any of the yeah tabs he paid like I, I don't i don't think it was like a malicious thing but he's he tries to pay the valet tip the valet he's like oh, oh, oh you know here you go and he tosses it out the window yeah. <laughs> um so i don't think that one was as malicious as, as the other one because the, the other one, one was 100 percent on purpose and oh yeah could, i mean his intent in his eyes is go get it <laughs> you know which i thought was funny but uh, oh, yeah. hunter's like that's not me i wouldn't have done that so um but then you know something that ashley loved is the whole movie of benicio going you know as your attorney i advise you I, as your attorney I advise, and, yeah. and it's and it's not even something that an attorney would advise you like you know so in that scene you know he's like as your attorney i advise you you know we need to you know we need to get the cocaine um a very a fast car. Car. i could you know very fast car yeah get the hell out of la for a few hours um and then uh his whole and then what kind of person would want to get a gun for a coverage of a motorcycle race? I can't wait to talk about the motorcycle race, by the way. But oh, continue. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but see, I love 
so like when they so after Toby bails on them and they take acid yeah and and you can tell that uh, Raul wasn't thinking when he took it because he's like you know how long do I have before it hits and uh, you know he's like you know as your attorney I advise you to drive at top speed it'd be a goddamn miracle if we make it there within the hour before you <laughs> turn into a wild animal and then that's when he realizes like shit yeah it's like oh and yeah because then, yeah, then he gets to the valley right when it hits because you know the guy's face kind of goes whoa yeah he goes I'll remember your face and, and his like, face is and um, in the <laughs> alright so <laughs> This brings us to the surrealism of uh, tripping your ass off. Yeah. Um, which uh, was uh, Gilliam's idea to have the carpet sort of move and attach uh, to uh, your uh, leg. Uh, uh, okay. Because right? um, he's like, man, if I was high, these carpets would freak me out, man. Because, I mean, they, they'd come up and grab you. And so and <laughs> later on, you see... Uh, Johnny Depp jumping from one end of the hall to the other end of the hall uh, across oh, to get to his room. I never noticed that. And it's I mean, I noticed him doing it, but I never... And it's because that carpet is sort of that floral pattern, but not the edges. And so he's jumping from edge to edge because he doesn't want to touch the carpet because oh, it'll attack his I legs. I never got that. Right. So there's that, and then there's the lizard... Mm-hmm, the uh, anthropomorphic lizards that he's just like sitting there like... Yeah. <gasps> Which is crazy. And and they're like, you know, it's it's described in the book, but let's try to make it as gross as we can. Yeah, so they're like they're all these like anthropomorphic like iguanas and uh chameleons like they're like having an orgy, they're eating each other, they're covered in blood, they're you know. Uh <laughs> and, and I just want to point out that Johnny Depp has the best lines after he trips really hard. <laughs> So he's watching all this, you know, and, and that's something I love too, is that we're seeing what he's seeing. Right. Um, so he's seeing all these anthropomorphic lizards, like, you know, like, and then, because uh, right before he sees that, you know, after the carpet tries to grab him, it starts bleeding. Yeah. And he's like, you know, we need to get some golf shoes. Impossible to walk in this muck. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, after he sees all this, he goes... <sighs> Tell them about the fucking golf shoes. And then that's when he snaps out of it. Yeah. And then he like pokes Gonzo. Well, because Gonzo keeps disappearing. Yeah. Right. Anytime he wants to talk to him or he's having a bad trip, he'll look and Gonzo's gone. Which which makes him very unreliable. And, you know, we were sort of to be weary about Gonzo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so, and you talking about how like Johnny Depp has the best reactions to everything. He does. Yeah. So when they get to their room, and you know, and he's watching the news, and uh, yeah. you know, and Gonzo kind of scolds him. He's like, you know, you scared the shit out of those people, man. He's like, don't you fucking come near me. And he's like hiding <laughs> behind the wet bar. Yeah. And then uh, the photographer he's supposed to meet knocks on the door, and he's like. <gasps> Shut the door. That guy's so annoying, and he's supposed to be right. Like he's he's got one of those smiles you can't slap off his face. Yeah, he, right. The shit eating grin. One of my one of my favorite effects in that scene is when he's watching the Vietnam footage. It's projected on the ground and, and on the ceiling, and there's actual smoke coming off of the ground, and that was them just projecting it onto the ground and throwing little smoke pellets or whatever. So. It looks like, I mean, it's a literal carpet bombing, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's on the carpet. Yeah. And I, I just love that. And then it 
it suggests the type of reaction and the type of visions and what he's seeing at the at the mm-hmm. mo- motorcycle race. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns into Vietnam for a few minutes. Yeah, and we even see like <laughs> Vietnam refugees in the background, and people really? seem to be wearing fatigues, and Mark Harmon's there, and. Mm. That would be the one way I could get my mom to see this movie, by the way. Really? Has <laughs> Is your if, mom never seen this movie? No, of course not. <laughs> but if I told her, hey, Mark Harmon's in it, she'll be go, okay, maybe. <laughs> she loves Mark Harmon. Who doesn't? So so you so uh, you really want to talk about the race. I do. Because, well, that is the very next scene after we meet Lacerda. And I, I do want to talk about it just because I really love the Vietnam imagery that they added into it. Because, mm-hmm. and him just constantly trying to keep dirt out of his beer. Yes. <laughs> and he cut uh, a hole in, in his, his mask for, his for a cigarette. cigarette. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is great. Yeah, because uh, he, he does a bump of cocaine. Like, yeah. after he gets there, right? Yeah. Like, after he gets out of the car, he does a bump, and then... You see, and he should have known from the get-go that his beer wasn't going to survive. Like, <laughs> after he orders it, some dude comes in and, like, hits his rag, and the dust flies into it. Yeah. I would have been like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but no, he just puts his hand over it. Yeah, <laughs> and then walks around, like... It's so funny. With that high-step walk, this whole, like... <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I do want to mention that uh, in the commentary, Gilliam was saying, you know, when people watch his performance, they think it's sort of a caricature. And the people who have met Hunter S. Thompson knows it's not. That like, he that really, is really exactly high knee walking. All of it. It is exactly how he walks, how he talks, his mannerisms, everything. Well, and, and, they, and that was his clothes. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I knew took that. took his clothes. Well, and I knew that... Um, you know, Johnny Depp being the method actor he is, didn't he lived with Hunter S. Thompson for like yeah, and Hunter's three the one months. who shaved his head. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, um, yeah, because because uh, I know that Johnny had like openly said that like Hunter S. Thompson was one of his favorite favorite authors. Yeah, because he so he lived with him for like three months. Oh, I don't know how long he lived with him. Well, because I, I read somewhere they like lived in his basement. Yeah, for. Before they started production, that's funny. But um, but yeah, then you know, then Lacerda picks him up and is like, "Come on, we we gotta go." Yeah, and so he's back, you know, back right, there, right, right, hand over his beer, um, and Lacerda's, you know, a photographer trying to take photos of dirt and of the race that no one can see. No, I mean they're completely surrounded by dirt. You can't see anything because you know they. <laughs> They've kicked it all up, and it's it's like Mad Max Fury Road out there. Yeah, when they when they go into the the sandstorm. Yeah, um, and then yeah, and like you're saying with the Vietnam imagery, because then they hear machine gun. Right. And I just love this whole that's fucking machine guns. Right. You brought me to a goddamn war zone. Exactly. And then they just pull up to some hunters who happen to have, and I think that was meant as like a reference to Hunter too, because they were like deer hunting. With a mounted machine gun, <laughs> like, which is something he liked to do, and uh, they're like, "What outfit are you boys with?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, we're just hired geeks, and like trying to, I, I guess, yeah, not get shot." And we're, I've, I'm not sure where to assume that actually happened. I think we're to assume like this was just a, you know, he's still having effects of the. Uh, the drug still because not the cocaine Ho- cocaine's not a hallucinogen but yeah the the acid he took right, yeah. yeah and he's just like how is it still there because I mean I get the and I love the the sort of overlay of Vietnam onto this you know dirt 
dirt road race, mm-hmm. right? Um, and even when he walks into the the press tent, it's it's like a barracks, right? Like yeah. he's like he's in like he's in Vietnam, you know? Yeah. Um, which which I loved. I thought that was great. Um, yeah. But from there. Uh, we get uh, my least favorite scene of all time because it makes me almost sick to my stomach. Yeah, so that's when. So yeah, so he he, he fire, fires Lacerda, which I don't even think. Yeah, he I don't think could, he's allowed to do. That. I don't think he's allowed to do that. I don't think he's and then to do that. so you know he's like, so what do we do now? After his beer is essentially just turned to mud, it's so gross. And he, <laughs> yeah, because he goes to take a sip and then just dumps it out, like very unhappily, just dumps his sludge it's out. like wet cement coming out of his <laughs> mug and he's like oh well <laughs> so so him and gonzo decide to hit the town and uh they're trying to figure out what to do right like they're because because gonzo's looking through something like a phone book or whatever mm. trying to figure out what to do and then they go see debbie reynolds <laughs> The voice of actual Debbie Reynolds was used uh, yeah. for that. And uh, what I love is they um, originally in the script, I think, the um, when they're driving and mm. it's just the rear projection behind them. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't really fit really because, I mean, they're they're too high up to be on the road mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're going the wrong direction also. Yeah. But um, in the script, it was supposed to be just them going around in circles in a parking lot. <laughs> And and us like cutting to them in a parking lot, but they said it was um, it was more of a jolt if we just stopped and they were stopped in like the sidewalk of this hotel. And it's like you can't park here, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're sort of like, oh, they're there, <laughs> right? Yeah. They've stopped. Um, it's sort of a it's sort of a jerk to to that to that scene that cut. Um, yeah. Instead of going around in circles in a parking lot trying to decide where to go. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that would make more sense, too. I, um, I would. I really just love the, the old-style rear projection. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the best use of early CGI that I've ever seen. Um, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, so when they first roll up to that circus from hell... Um, yeah. that, that that sign is CG like that's not there and uh, I think when they first get to Las Vegas it, at night none of that's there because Vegas doesn't look like that anymore and so I mean this is really sophisticated and well used CG this is mm. sort of like what uh, David Fincher does David Fincher uses CG sporadically to where you don't notice it because it's yeah it's I, in the background or it's to add to a building or mm. it's never a whole scene right and that's sort of what Terry Gilliam did right he, he didn't want to use CG but he had to because you know we you can't rebuild <laughs> Vegas what it looked like in the seventies right. yeah yeah so um, yeah so then you know they get kicked out of Debbie Reynolds like a minute after they were allowed to go in. <laughs> After, you know, Gonzo makes this big deal about how, like, you know, we're friends of Debbie. And, well, that was Raul. But, you know, they agreed that they would stand in the back, be quiet, and not smoke. Yeah. And as soon as they close the doors, they're already getting kicked out. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, we, we get to the Circus of Hell. I like that. Because uh, what, what was it called? Like the I don't remember. something brothers. We do of... get a cool... Um, a... A cool cameo, which is the first one I wrote down, which is Pinjolette. I'm a I'm, yeah. a, I'm a huge Penn and Teller fan, mm-hmm. uh, and I love Pinjolette. And he's one of the carnival barkers. Yeah, he's uh, trying to like get them to do stuff. And some of the some of the booths are so funny. You know, there's the 
there was that that dart game where you throw uh, hypodermic needles at a junkie, you know, <laughs> and it was the, this old couple just throwing hypodermic needles at this junkie who's rolling around and around and around on the, on the circle, um, which was funny. And then like the one with the ape was yeah, like it, it's like it's a something to do with like the Ku Klux Klan after a while. Like when they were leaving, he was wearing a Ku Klux Klan mask, and uh, <laughs> like later on we had the. Like the, the acrobats mm. do the birth of a nation, quote yeah. unquote, um, and it was a it was a birth, and like the baby would pop out of the woman. Yeah, they like hit the the, the pregnant woman's stomach, she popped yeah. out. It's it's and that's so surreal. I don't remember what it was in the book. That wasn't what it was in the book. But yeah, um, and I'd like to point out that they are not only high off of ether, but then the mescaline hits them. Yeah, because they take. So, you know, so leading up to that, they they took mescaline, but I guess it wasn't affecting them as fast as they wanted. Well, more so Dr. Gonzo. Yeah. So they decided to put ether on top of that. And his description of what ether does to you is so... Yeah. See, that's... And to me, that's so crazy of, you know, how this guy was able to write this book when he was high the entire time. Yeah. Because he, in such detail, describes what... Ether does to you, and you know, he even says like you can watch yourself do this. Right. Like he says, you know, it makes your legs feel like jelly or something, and you look like the village drunkard. And you know, and Vegas Love is a good drunkard, and it just, yeah. And then by the time they get to your least favorite part, <sighs> I yeah. think it's kind of worn off on Raul at least yeah. by that point. But Gonzo is still no. yeah. And it, <laughs> I mean. I do say it's my least favorite part. It's it's not. I just you know it. Oh yeah. It just makes me sick. I just can't watch that thing go around and around while some of it's staying still and some like. And I, then Benicio's like trying, like almost like dipping his toe in, like trying to get yeah. off, and he's like gripping the pole, like because he's like make it stop. Yeah. And then Johnny has to just push him off eventually. Yeah. And then uh, plays it off like, oh yeah, he he kicked you off, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because again. We we have no idea what he's going to do mm-hmm. at any given time. Yeah, uh, he's very unpredictable and hair triggered. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I'd like to mention uh, the next thing I'd like to talk about is the flashback scene to sixty eight. Oh, and he's talking about uh, when he's in San Francisco. Yeah, so we get three cameos in that scene alone. Mm-hmm. So we get uh, Lyle Lovett. Lyle Lovett um, is. Like asking him if he wants acid, I think. Oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he's like, I, I can make acid. I just need the ingredients or something like that. I just need a place to cook. Right, and then a flea. Yeah, flea. Uh, we get flea. Uh, yeah, as the hippie who uh, licks the was uh, it the coke off his arm? No, it's the LSD because oh, he, he breaks it in half because oh, he right. only wants to take half. Yeah, and the other half gets on his. Again, in great detail, his red woolen shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so Flea comes and licks it off. Uh, so And then he describes what life would be like after that from the man who walked in on that. Mm-hmm. So funny. Yeah. You and, know, who thinks of that? And then the third cameo, the man himself, Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson. I love how he's introduced. He's like, man, I was there. Wait a Wait. minute. There I am. There I am. <laughs> Holy <laughs> fuck. And he, and then he like does a double take because yeah. he sees him and he's like... And yeah. then Hunter's just sitting there in his, you know, visor. Ba- banker's visor, his, uh, his fucking aviators, yep. like, lighting a cigarette or something. Yeah. In the jacket that we'd already seen Johnny been wearing. Right. I mean, it's his clothes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, because, you know, one of the big things that 
of one of the big things like in the in the Gonzo documentary and everything I was reading is how fear and loathing was describing the you know the the culture of the 60s and how it deteriorated deteriorated by the 70s mm-hmm. that that this counterculture was gone right and hunter was already seeing that 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 everything that they had been trying to build for in the 60s Gone. Gone. And that's a huge theme of the book and then the movie is, mm-hmm. and they touch on it in the documentary where he just, he was one of the first people to notice, hey, it's gone. It's, mm-hmm. give it, give another year or so and it's all gone. Yeah. You know, he could see it go away. Yeah. And the that's the, you know, that brings us to the wave speech, which I wanted to write down. And, oh yeah, it's a great speech and too. say verbatim, but there's so, there's so much. But I'll, I'll say the last uh, part of it because I have it up, you know the. So now, less than five years later, you can go up on a steep hill in Las Vegas and look west, and with the right kind of eyes, you can see the high water mark, the place where the wave finally broke and rolled back. Yeah, you know, essentially saying that he knew he could see where the sixties peaked and and it's gone and it's gone and. You know, and it's so crazy because, you know, this was 71. Yeah. When when he was already like, yeah, what what the 60s was all about, it's gone. Right. Um, and and it's, it's a little heartbreaking because oh, you, yeah. I mean, you feel for, for Thompson that this was, you know, this was a big deal to him. This, mm-hmm. this counterculture and this, uh, you know, free living and... You know, and I think that's one of the sort of, big, of lifestyle. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing why he wanted to run for sheriff. Yeah, is because I think he wanted to keep that going. Yeah. Um, so you know, before the, before the wave speech, um, you know, we have this interaction of Gonzo and Raúl back at the hotel room, oh. and that's when we really see Gonzo how unhinged he really is, and what they've done to the room. Yes. Trash, you know, we'll, we'll get to it, but trashing two different hotel rooms. And I feel like what they did with Flink, Pink Flamingo was way worse. You think? Because yeah. uh, this one, which is one of my favorite little throwaway things, is in the morning after after this, um, what, you're, what you're about to describe, mm-hmm. uh, with Gonzo in the bathtub, um, <laughs> the, the bellhop comes in and... <laughs> Depp puts the receipt on his face and, and signs, signs it, it yeah. and uses his face <laughs> as, as the table. Yeah. That made me laugh so hard. And it's just a small throwaway thing. And apparently it was Depp's idea to do that. Like just throw it on his face, sign it and give it to him, um, which I loved. Instead of using his back or his arm or something, it was so funny. Yeah. But, you know, they're so they're they're back from the carnival or the circus and you know, Raul's completely, he's come down from the ether, from the mescaline. He's kind of level-headed. And he's kind of starting to write a little bit mm-hmm. of, of what he's, you know, seen but, and done so far. Yeah. And, but Gonzo is just completely off the walls. You know, he's still pretty high. And then we get that flashback to another cameo, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Who he fell in love with after a... Five minute interaction. Nineties Cameron Diaz. I would do. Oh yeah. And as he puts it, you know, when and they And now Cameron Diaz, but oh, anyway, go yeah. ahead. Uh as he puts it when they, you know, run to their room later on after that, you know, eye contact, man. She got it. Yeah. You know, because cause I feel like you know, so we're already seeing him kind of unhinged, mm-hmm. but in that flashback, seeing him sober 
how unhinged he already is. Yeah. Sober. Yeah. You know, what happens when he's high? Because, you know, he, he threatens Lacerda. Yeah. With a knife. Hey. I mean, it, it wasn't a big knife, but yeah, it's a knife. Sh- sharp enough to probably cut him. Hey, good girl. Um, and then we cut back to what they're talking about in the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Raul, who's, again, he's come down and he's like, you know, you need to leave that weird fucker alone. And he thinks uh, he's, he's uh, you know, Gonzo thinks Raul is uh, like defending him. Yeah. And so finally, Raul decides, like, you know, you need to stay in this room. You need to get your head straight and leaves him in the room. And I love his description. Like, you know, like you can never turn your back on a You can always turn your back on a person. Never turn your back on a drug, especially when it's holding a very sharp hunting knife in your face. You know, then he goes and gambles for. It's such it's such great body acting because uh, he doesn't he, he he looks at him the entire time Depp he's mm. he's constantly looking at him and then he closes the door really fast and then he's like I, I, lo- I love the way he did that because he didn't he doesn't turn his back he's you know constantly you know watching and see what he's going to do oh of course um, so then he goes and gambles for like I don't know five minutes and he's terrible at it yeah he loses immediately after he bets 20 right yeah or something he, yeah. yeah he's really bad at it um, and then he comes back to the room <sighs> Gonzo's gone, but the room is now more trash than it was. Yeah. And he's hearing noises from the bathroom, and Gonzo has filled the tub up to the brim in his underwear reading a law book, which he trashes that law book. Yeah. Trying to, I guess, restart the tape recorder with a pin, and he's... (laughs) And then uh, then he wants... uh, And then, you know, like we talked about in Stalker... He wants to hear White Rabbit peak. Yeah. And right when it peaks, he wants him to throw the tape recorder into the bathtub with yeah. him. And again, Raul being the voice of reason, shockingly, is like, knows like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And I love what he does. Instead, he hides the, the orange behind his back and then yeah. just nails him with it. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, he wakes up the next morning. He's gone. Gonzo's gone. Gonzo's gone. He's... Gonzo. Yeah. Oh, I regret uh, that immediately. And then um and then after he, he scares the 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 bellhop. The bellhop <laughs> realizes like they hadn't paid their tab that's been like running from like what is it like oh. twenty to thirty dollars every hour for forty eight consecutive hours. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even know how to set that up. You know what I mean? It's it's insane. And the room is just in trash. the light of day, I mean, you couldn't imagine how it would look even worse after the scene that preceded it, but wow. Yeah. It is insane. And so he tries to well, he does. He does bail. Yeah, he does. Without paying, of course. <laughs> um, but I love the little nod to that. He's using a pen name. Yeah. Because you know the I guess the front desk guy is like you know there's a letter for you but it's a little strange it's addressed from uh, Thompson and yeah. then you know he because he doesn't want to talk to the guy and he's like you know like it's not to him it's from him and yeah. you're like ah uh-huh. yeah if you you know right um. And that's when he tries to get the hell out of Vegas. Um, after he, and I love his whole like. Luckily, I remember to take all the shampoo and fruit out of the car, and it's still in the back seat. It's still in the, the back car. seat. And I love that he's he's trying to use his head to like hide it, like right. slowly, like 
Um, so he tries to get the hell out of Vegas, and that's when he gets pulled over by Busey. Busey, which we just had his motorcycle accident. Like he, like if he took off his hat, he would have this giant scar on his forehead still. So that was before he got really fucked up. Yeah, which is so weird because you know, I think he still got it. The acting part, yeah, it's the it's the when you say cut part that he's just a lunatic and out of his mind. Um, I'm pretty sure as soon as Terry called cut, he was just as loony because uh, that really messed him up. That that bike accident, yeah. But I mean, he's fresh out of the hospital, yeah, <laughs> um, doing well, this. Oh, and I, and, I, and I love the line he gives him because, uh, and I really want to know how many people actually took the advice that he uses like you know most people who see a highway patrolman will panic and pull over to the side of the road don't do this yeah. <laughs> like speed pretty much pass him and then turn on your signal and then turn at the last possible second yeah like I really want to know how many people in the 90s actually did that oh, well no because they're in jail well, yeah. um, uh, but then uh, I love the line Gary Busey gives him after he's gonna like let him off free pretty much <laughs> can I get a kiss <laughs> I'm awfully lonely out here. And I love that Johnny looks directly at the camera like, uh, like, should I do it? or Not the last time he'll do it. He also does it in the um, at that cop seminar mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Uh, as soon as uh, my favorite cameo, second favorite, because we'll get to the, my favorite, but my second favorite cameo is, is Michael Jetter. As, um, the, as the, 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 like, the... The guy who knows everything about drugs. Right. And it, it's, it, it was the roach line and <laughs> Deb looks right at the camera. And it was a Benicio Notori like, you must be fucking high if you think you call a roach because it looks like a goddamn cockroach. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Um, and then we, we run into Tobey Maguire again. I think, you know, that's meant to be a sort of a hallucination because um, – because uh, then we're meant to think that the Christina Ricci thing is also a hallucination. Oh, when they run into her. But I don't think that one is. Yeah. But Toby's is, I think. Uh, he is sort of the symbol of fear in uh, If he, in if he tries to go back to California. Right. It's it's this sort of, you know, it's like, oh, no. You know, this person I ran into, you know, it's this, it's the personification of Depp's, you know, I guess anxiety and, and fear about going back. Right. And so then, uh, so then, you know, we find out what the hell this letter that he never opened says, cause he calls Gonzo. He's like, I need a fucking lawyer. And he's like, I already booked you a hotel room at the Flamingo. Now what the fuck are you doing in the desert? And he's like, uh, nothing. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> and, uh, which I want to know. Okay. So when does that conversation happen? Cause it looks like Gonzo's in a office, and then when Johnny goes and trades in the old convertible for the new convertible, mm-hmm. he's at the, um, he's at the, he's already at the room with Christina Ritchie. So right, uh, I don't know. That's another thing that's meant to disorient you, right? It's, right. It's you don't know the chronological order of things happening. You don't know how long things are taking. Right. And I love. That he's wearing this sort of like shaman Buddhist sort of like, and it's the fucking like comforter from the bed. Yeah, <laughs> but he's, he's wearing it like you know, and this is sort of, um, and they talk about it in the uh, in the commentary. Some of the most upsetting dialogue in the whole movie is when Depp pulls Gonzo outside the room. Oh yeah, and just starts talking about what they can do with just to get him to hey ditch the girl, let's go. Yeah, but uh, is like an extreme like yeah, like this is what we could do. 
and then it upsets Gonzo, which is so weird that that upsets Gonzo, right? Yeah. Uh, like, I know you were sick, but really? Yeah, we we finally, <laughs> we get to see that Gonzo has a line, <laughs> and yeah. that's it. Yeah, right? you know, he, he, he apparently can't stand for, uh, you know, people spitting on him, but when it comes to talking about having all these cops... Gangbang Christina Ricci. Oh yeah. no, that's that's where I draw that, the line. That's where exactly. And another cameo, Christina Ricci. Yeah, yeah Christina Ricci. Uh, this is right before um, Sleepy Hollow, I think. Oh yeah, way before. I think like two or three years before. Yeah. Um, great movie, very underrated. It Sidebar. Is. Uh, but and then I believe this is also where we see Chris Milani. Uh, uh, as the uh, the gay as the clerk? gay matron, yeah, the yes. gay clerk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I love that. Especially when like Raoul knows what he's actually saying to the cop, right? Because you know he, he's being very, I would say, very level headed. I I could not be a um, a clerk at a hotel, mm. especially with a customer like this guy. Absolutely not. Um, you know, but he's being very, I think, very very level headed, like. Because, you know, the cop was late. The chief of police of Chicago or whatever was late for this convention. And so they had to move his reservation to another hotel. And the chief of police wasn't understanding that, Mm -hmm. which, you know... I work in retail. I hate people who don't get it. (laughs) Like, that's just fucking... Like, I'm telling you, this is why this happened. Understand it. You know, no one could see me waving my hands around, but but I love that Raul was able to pick up on what he was actually saying. Yeah. Like, you know, I've been fucked around by a few cops, and now it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> and then Raul just kind of swoops in and makes it worse, because mm-hmm. he knows it'll piss off the cop. <laughs> um, and I love that he, he tries to console the wife. I know, it's horrible. I can't believe that, but you'll be okay. And then just walks off. I, yeah, I, I love... After he's got a little cocaine still oh, like, yeah, around his nose. Oh, yeah, it's still on his nose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is great. Um, we do get to see Ellen Barkin a little bit in the background of that scene before we see her as the waitress. Of, it's two separate characters, but oh, okay. um, she's just filler in the background. And then we see her at the end uh, as, the, as waitress. the waitress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know... I love um, Ellen Barkin, by the way. Yeah. What I, so, so this is where, in my opinion, if it hadn't already for people, but for me, this is when all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. So so they go to the cop, so they ditch Christina Ritchie, they put yeah. her up in a hotel, and I love, I love Johnny Depp's just like pure kind of malice towards her. Yeah. Like when he almost full on kicks her in the face. I love it because he's trying to be so calm and collected on the phone and she comes to like, like she kind of like tugs on him a little bit and, and he's like, and quietly he just freaks out on and her. Like, right? And just almost <laughs> kicks her in the face. And that's a, that's a fun little, like that's something that Jack Sparrow would do, right? Yeah. It's a, it's that sort of full body commitment to the bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he goes back to he, being calm and collected on like, the phone. Oh, last name? Oh, uh, my brother's in politics. Oh, you understand. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I love that he compared that to being like a Nazi. Like, yeah. I, I think that was not really funny. It just it, It's odd that he would think that, you know, yeah, we need to ditch this girl. But if we do it, we're Nazis. But right. anyway, so, so they ditch Christina Ritchie. They go to the, uh, the convention. And I want to point out, like, I can handle movie vomit. Oh, yeah, but that one is hard. That is hard. Yeah, that one was hard. Because especially the line right before it, I've got a hankering for some, like, smoked salmon, and then it just 
boom, right in the toilet. I know, it's gross. And it's, I, I think they wanted him to take that out um, because, you know, it's so over the top, right? Yeah. And people don't like vomit. I don't either. Yeah. But, you know, it's what kind of movie do you think you were in, right? You know, and, so. and, and I think, it, I guess it's implied that the mescaline is what made him yeah. vomit. But. And then this is where we're introduced to that other drug. What did you say they called it? Adrenochrome. Uh, okay. Yeah, because as, um, as he says that he linked up with a, a Satanist <laughs> client who was going to give him like real blood, which according to him would take him higher, but he would settle for adrenochrome. Yeah. Now, right before that, I'm, there's another camera cameo and I'm assuming that's I'm, my favorite one. Yeah. It is the third movie we've done. <laughs> coincidentally, by the way, with Harry Dean Stanton as the judge who ordered, oh, I love the dream sequence. So yeah, it's a very it's, high, it's very Gilliam because things are very unproportionate. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have the American flag in the background, which I really like. Um, and you know, they're wearing the old timey Tex Avery sort Strives, of, yeah. yeah. Or, and I love that his visor still, it's striped. Right. It's yeah. His visor striped and you know, the, you know, the jail cell is very exaggerated and mm. the, you know, the bench that the judge is at is very exaggerated. And, um, I mean, number one, you know, it's a dream sequence, but you know, then Harry Dean stands so over the top too. And, and he's got a gavel that has a, like a, like a little, like an ax, uh, like, yeah, like an castration, double castration. castration. And, and I, I love Harry Dean Stan with all my heart and soul. And so seeing him in this, I forgot he was in it. Uh, yeah. I don't think I had made it that far in the movie in a long time. Usually I, when they get to the, the cop convention, I usually am done. Really? Yeah, usually. I, I love watching the movie. From I start do too, to and it's usually just you know like either I start it too late and I'm going to go to bed, or I I mean I obviously I've seen the whole movie a few times, but when right. I decide to rewatch it, usually I'm like, nah, <laughs> I'm done. Not for any sort of you know I don't like the movie reason. I love the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just usually by that time I'm sort of uh, I'm sort of Hunter S. Thompson out <laughs> and yeah. Gonzoed out at the moment. Yeah. So so we should mention that th- this is a dream sequence that happens right after they leave the cop convention because they were getting high the entire time yeah. in front of all these cops. Um, so Rao's already pretty paranoid that they might have gotten caught. And I do love the the in in theater we call it a gel. I guess it would be a filter. I guess mm-hmm. the blue um, in that scene when they're at the actual conference. Oh yeah, you yeah. know it's everything's blue. Mm-hmm. It makes his sunglasses look really weird because they're like really yellow. And so, yeah. um, but anyway, I just I like that you know it sort of has this sort of theme, sort of like traffic. Every every storyline has its own hue mm-hmm. until the end of the movie where they're all the same. Right. Um, also with Benicio. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. I'll write that one. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, so Raul's already pretty paranoid. And then they get a call from Sven, the clerk. I don't know the actor's name. I know his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells him that um, Lucy called Christina Ritchie. Yeah. And that just <laughs> sends him into another panic. What? <laughs> right. And then she calls again. And that's when he has the dream sequence of like, oh, we're fucked. Yeah. Because she's going to rat on us. Yeah. And we're fucked. Um. And so he, and I love that he, so he's like, I'm done. I'm going back to California. Yep. I'm going to pack up. And he packs the lamp <laughs> into his suitcase. Yeah. Very confidently. Like, yep. Like that's his. Yeah. Um, I, I do love the, and that's another throwaway thing. That's just so funny that if you're really not paying attention to what he's doing, you don't notice. Right. Yeah. Cause again, he's doing it with such confidence. Like it's nothing. Yeah. That it's his lamp. 
It's great. I love um, it. And so then, so Benicio agrees, like, okay, she was my problem. I'll handle it. Yeah. And I, I have to say, great perform, great lie. <laughs> and I love that. You know, so the whole time he's lying to Lucy about how, you know, he gets captured by the cops mm-hmm. and this, and, you know, and Rao's not going to be, you know, you're causing any trouble anytime soon. No, I didn't kill him. I just beat him up really bad. Mm -hmm. And the whole time this is happening, Ryle's getting high off the adrenochrome. And like you said, you know, it takes a little bit and then it immediately takes more. Oh yeah. Like he forgot, (laughs) you know, like he forgot. He took, just took some. It's so funny. And I'll be honest. This is, I do this a lot now. Like if I, if, if I taste something, it tastes skeevy. I do the little tongue thing. They're like, yep. Yeah. (laughs) That Johnny Depp does because of this movie. Um, and so the whole time he's getting high, you know, he's hearing this in the background and he knows Lucy is probably still on acid. And uh, I, you know, to a person that would probably consider that uh, annoying, his screeching in the background because he's got the towel on his head. Um, I thought it was very interesting because he's, you know, getting like he's really like really hitting him like. Yeah, um, he's freaking out. And then. uh and then we get that really weird dream sequence of Benicio turning into like a demon, yeah, growing breasts, breasts on his back, yeah, like all over his body, and it's it, yeah, that one's crazy. You and know, then, uh, it's on par with the lizard stuff in the beginning, yeah. And then again, another one of my favorite when he snaps out of it, you know, because he had missed the entire conversation. Uh, Raul had missed the whole conversation about glands and the penile gland and this, this and that missed the entire conversation, even though he was speaking back to him, missed it. When he comes out of it, he's like, you know, finish the fucking story. (laughs) What about the glands? And then even Benicio's like, yeah, you took too much. (laughs) You took too much, man. And then uh, what I, what I love about that is he, um, like it's, it's so the cocaine that he the Benicio was feeding him and the adrenochrome is hitting him so hard you know he covers up with the American flag and then wakes up you know three or four days later or no it was like two days later and doesn't remember anything that happened yeah. and then that's when we see the hotel room is fucked yeah that hotel room is, like I mean. they they popped uh, like like they hit the ceiling so hard that like it popped the pipes above them so it flooded the <laughs> yeah. the living room at they, first I thought that was supposed to be a hallucination but then I'm like oh wait no it's not because over there it's not flooded yeah so, I, I caught it and then recently I was like oh so the yeah it was coming the from the ceiling yeah. yeah I was like oh my god you know they destroyed the bed in Gonzo's room um just the entire room was like they did a shrine to Debbie Reynolds in <laughs> Raoul's room. Too funny. That, and, that and Debbie Reynolds thing. That they just don't <laughs> let it go, and it's so funny. <laughs> and I love that his only way to figure out what the hell happened is to listen to the recording. Yeah. Which again is something that Hunter was known for to do. Record everything. Yeah, he always had it. And in the documentary they give you a little taste of some of the some of the actual recordings in the car. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was, oh, I forgot my sunglasses. Oh, was fuck a, it. Well, yeah, I'll buy, go buy more. Oh, it was a final. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I love that, you know, he, he can't even recognize his own writing. So he has to listen yeah. to what he was saying so he can transcribe it. Um, yeah. And, and you, you just, this has to be one of my favorite sequences of the whole movie. And it's like the last 30 minutes of the movie yeah. is what the fuck was going on. Right. You know, they were, he was so high. He didn't realize that they 
terrorize this poor maid. I know. And I, I should say, give these men an Oscar for coming up with a lie like that. <laughs> you know, yeah. saying, you know, we're cops. And he's, you know, recording, you know, has like the extended part of the microphone. Yeah. And think, making her think it's a gun. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they go back to the cir- the carnival and all hell breaks loose at the carnival. Yeah. And, you know, then they, they're tormenting people at a store where... Raul says, like, you people killed Jesus. And they're, like, smashing coconuts on the, the hood of the car. Um, and then we get the, the diner scene. Yeah. So I'll have, to, I'll have to admit that the first time I ever saw this movie, that part confused me more than anything. Yeah. Because I was because how Raul's describing it in the recording and what we're seeing are almost are really two different things. Mm-hmm. But how he's describing it is different than what we're seeing. Right. And he's um, an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and what the part that confused me is so you know so she gets mad at Benicio for his whole backdoor beauty and his overemphasized question mark. <laughs> it's a huge question mark. And I, and I love that like the question mark was like. Overemphasized or whatever. She wore padding in um, in her it, boobs. No. Oh no. In her butt. It's it's fake. Really? Yeah, oh, to I, make I, it look over. You know. Yeah. You know, to make it look. You know. Bigger. Exaggerated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will say though, I love Benicio's line right before that whole thing happens. Says, Two glasses of ice water with ice. <laughs> and then he says it two more times. Hey, two glasses of ice water with ice. With ice. And, like, it's not like, you know, she heard him the first time. Yeah. But, um, but you know, so she spits on him, calls him, uh, I'm not going to say the racial slur. Mm-hmm. I know, yeah. But calls him a racial slur. And then... Uh, he deserved that reaction because he was being terrible, right? Yeah. He's a terrible person. Yeah. Technically, they both are. And what makes, what makes this movie work is that Gonzo's just worse. And so we kind of forgive the terrible stuff... That Raul does because it's, it's not as bad. Yeah, and so we we're, we're always comparing the two together, and we see how unhinged and how unpredictable Gonzo is, and we're like, "Hey, it could be worse." Oh yeah, our hero could be that guy. Yeah, yeah. and so you know, so what confused me is you know he describes how the side of the blade, you know, like her throat had been cut. Mm-hmm. So the first time I ever saw it, I was like, "Holy shit, he actually killed this waitress," and he's just yeah. But then like. After rewatching it, I was like, oh no, like her throat had been cut because mm-hmm. the side of the blade triggered bad memories, mm-hmm. which I didn't point out. So he whips out his knife that he threatens Lacerda with, doesn't really threaten her with it, but more than stabs the, the bar. Yeah. And then cuts the phone off. He's like, oh, you want to call the cops? Yeah. Oh, God. Gonzo's go. a horrible person. I know. Then when he uh, pays for the whole lemon meringue pie that they don't eat, no. mind you. You know, for five whole dollars, and he shoves it in her bra. It's like a, a terrible thing. I know it's horrible. And 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 kind of like what you're saying. And Raul is almost innocent. Yeah. This whole time, because he's just sitting there, recording everything. Wasn't even really even hungry, so he's over peppering his steak and his. <laughs> just he's just sitting there over peppering it. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of messing with everything. Blood from his ears. I don't know if you ever noticed that. He's got did, blood yeah. like running from his ears. Yeah. Um. And so when he knows, like, okay, it's probably time for me to leave. Yeah. You know, it's so innocent what he does. So so he picks all his stuff up, 
and he picks up the plate of food and then he turns and he looks at her and then he goes and he puts the plate of food back and just kind of scoots it closer towards her <laughs> and then gets in the car and they leave. Yeah. And it's so innocent, in my opinion. Like, because, like, he knows, like, yeah, we kind of. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then, again, they don't eat the fucking pie. So no. when he's speeding to the airport to get Gonzo to the airport, the pie is smashed <laughs> against the inside of the windshield. Yeah. Which is so great. So It's a good gag. And so I have, like, a theory because, you know, we see Raul back at the hotel listening to all this. Um, My theory is after he dropped Gonzo off at the airport, he went back to the hotel and got high again. Yeah. And then that's where we catch up with him. Right. Waking up like, wait, what happened? So that's when he was really, like, kind of coming back. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, man, it's, again... I said it at the beginning. It's an experience of, a, is, of, yeah. of a movie. Like it, it is. It's got a lot of really funny parts. A lot of funny parts, shockingly, for a movie that seems like it wouldn't be funny. It's dark humor. It's oh, yeah. not, you know, it's not slapstick, but it's, you know, I, I forgot which... Um, critic it was but they said there never needs to be another drug movie ever made because well, yeah, they I, nailed it yeah and, yeah. I, and I learned that this movie actually was a box office bomb yeah but it's a cult classic right and and I think and, I, and I'll be honest and maybe we can do a whole episode about this later on um, I feel like cult classics are the more memorable maybe I mean maybe maybe let me rephrase that statement they're definitely the ones that cement with us Mm-hmm. Almost not more than like the best movie ever made, you know, but cult classics really they hang around a I, lot. I have my thinking face on. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> you know, I think what you're trying to say is that, you know, it's almost that we care for them more because we think no one else will. Right. I guess. And it's, you know, like with your Donnie Darko's, your you know Rocky Horror Picture shows, Big Lebowski, right? These are you know films that you know if everyone liked them, you wouldn't like them as much. Probably, yeah. and this is one of those. You know, oh, yeah. And, I and, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of this movie. Um, the thing I love so much, and it's not necessarily about this movie, but involves this movie, is Johnny Depp got to reprise Raul Duke. He did in Rango. <laughs> He did. Ashley has never seen Ringo. I'm trying to get her to watch it because it. I could also talk about that movie forever. I love that movie, but that is one of my in my my top five favorite scenes of that movie is mm-hmm. when you know we get introduced to Ringo, very beginning of the movie. Now he falls out of the car and he gets hit by a red convertible. Yeah, and the camera pans around and we see Raul Duke in the front seat, Gonzo in the back seat, and Johnny Depp is voicing Raul Duke. Yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's great. I love it. Love it so much because, I mean, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure Johnny Depp would still have a career if he had never made this movie. But yeah, uh, I, I would say this really helped his career, though. The thing I don't like, and I'll, you know, boo, Jeremy. The thing <laughs> that I don't like about this movie is it gave Johnny Depp a false sense of he is Hunter's only friend, which is not true. I mean, because, you know, Johnny Depp once paid $5 million to get Hunter Hunter, uh, Thompson's ashes shot into space. Um, You're bullshitting me. No, I'm not. 
Um, also, Johnny Depp is broke, and that's half why. Oh, yeah. So, well, and all his wine that he spends money yeah, on. Yeah, in his house. This is blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he has a spending problem. That's not the point. The point is, is that, you know, Hunter didn't meet Depp until the late 90s. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, no, Hunter's got plenty of friends. Oh, yeah. And I, I would think, you know, if someone had offered to shoot my friend's ashes into space who barely knew him, you know, like I knew him 30 years before you did, I would take really offense to that. You yeah. know? And so, like, I, you know, it's the sense of, you know, he knows what's best for Hunter S. Thompson. I, I think is really, really strange. And... um and I feel like this movie had a lot to do with that. Yeah, probably. I mean, um, and probably living with Hunter. Yeah. You know, I and, mean, and not to say that they weren't friends. I'm not saying that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. But, but yeah, to make it seem like, well, I, I know what's best for you. Right. Ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't even know. I, okay. Full disclosure, I don't know the whole story. Maybe he did get, like, permission from, from his like, family or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Well, um, I mean, he, you know, he was heavily involved in the Gonzo documentary. Yeah, he he, he narrates it. And the, the No Good Reason documentary about Robert Sedman mm-hmm. which we didn't really, really oh god I love I mean I, I'd say let's let's end it with Robert Sedman Ralph Ralph I keep yeah anyway uh, but you know yeah nothing to me showcases the the mood the ideas and the style of Hunter's writing than Ralph Steadman's illustrations. Oh, yeah. This, I mean, I would watch an animated film of just his uh, illustrations as this movie verbatim. He can do the exact same movie just with the illustrations, and I think it's a million times better. Because oh, yeah. we're, we're actually getting to see, you know, the sort of personification of this sort of drug-fueled trip to Vegas. Mm-hmm. In these images, I have the Criterion Collection, and the the cover is the Ralph Steadman, oh. uh, you know, illustration of because uh, because he also did the he did all the illustrations in yeah. the book. Yeah, and um, what I think is kind of funny is people say that Ralph Steadman is crazier than Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> and is I, I I watched the trailer for his documentary, No Good Reason, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were saying that he was more extreme than Hunter. And even so, more so to the point where Hunter was like, ooh. That's crazy. Like, no. Like, Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah, it's... And, and like, um, you know, in the Gonzo documentary, they talk about how the first time they met was for Hunter's article on the, the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then... And those, those images are so striking, too. And they're... Mm-hmm. It's the same style. It's sort of this chaotic... Um, sort of scribbled, uh, over-exaggerated style um, that is sort of, you know, playing on who these people really are on the inside and, mm-hmm. you know, what it was like to be there. This isn't what it looked like. This is what it felt like. Right. right? And that's what his illustrations do. Oh, yeah. And and that's why, like, I, re- I really like, you know, when we mentioned that um, – the shirt that Toby Maguire wears in the movie is a Ralph Steadman right. shirt. They, they, and even at the after the credits, there's, an, I think, the illustration from the book at yep. the very end. Yeah, so I, I was glad that Ralph had some representation in the movie. For sure. Especially since the movie is what Hunter was writing about. Right. You know, that you know, it wasn't like a, you know, like we talked about... Where the Buffalo Realm, this kind of semi-autobiographical of Hunter's life, it was what Hunter was actually going through 
that's what he was writing. You right. Know? It's just the book. It's not everything else. It's not. Right. It's not Hell's Angels. It's not Rum Diary. It's just you know. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I uh, fear and loathing. Yeah. I think we should leave it there. You okay. Know? Cool. Um, right on. I hope, we hope everyone uh, enjoyed. Definitely, everyone should watch the Gonzo documentary. Yep. And Fear and Loathing. Um, again, it is an experience of a movie. It is. I know a lot of people that don't like it mm-hmm. or have not given it a chance because of what it is, and it's it's still it's a great movie. It's it's I, it's, I think it's a good watch. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, like I said, I've off camera off mic. You know, I mentioned when we decided we were going to do it. I watched it. I've watched it at least. Three times in the yep. last week and a half. It's a great movie. I it love uh, I love watching it, and I, and I love uh, uncovering more about it. Like in the Gonzo documentary, how Hunter lost his mind when he found out there was going to be an animated sequence. Yeah, he fucking lost it. Yeah, he's like, I'm not, you know, my life's not a fucking cartoon or whatever he says. Yeah. And it's like, but dude, you have cartoons. Like, no, that's different. That's 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 Ralph's illustrations or whatever. Like he's. Like those are meant to be, you know, uh, symbols and, and you know, not actual like analytical things. You know, this isn't, you know, the whole thing. And yeah, he lost his mind. Yeah, because he lost it on the producer, right? Yeah, which is which sucks. And it wasn't even Terry Gilliam; it was someone yeah. else. Yeah, and they—I don't think they mentioned who it was, but um, it was before Terry Gilliam got attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God Terry uh, Terry took it out. For sure. But, yeah, we hope everyone enjoyed. And, uh, again, sorry for another two-week break. But, yeah. you know, sometimes it's good to recharge the batteries and make sure that we're... Sure, that's what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was doing, I sort have, of. I have made my decision for next week as well. So okay. I'm going to make you work for it. Oh, God. I know. All righty. Um, do you want to say it on mic? Sure. I would love to do... Which is a movie I've seen already four times since it came out. Oh, God. Less than a year ago. It's called The House That Jack Built. Oh, we talked about this in the horror horror movie movie episode. That's right. But we could do an entire episode on The House That Jack Built. Lars von Trayer's latest movie, The House That Jack Built. You uh, better thank your lucky stars. I didn't say Antichrist. Um, Oh, fuck that, dude. I don't think I could handle that. (laughs) Uh, But that's uh, that's, uh, Matt Dillon, right? Yes, a 12-year look at a serial killer's life. Uh, through the eyes of a, a mystery companion uh, that he's telling the story to. And hmm. it is unbelievable. It is... Um, so is it is it is it a horror from start to finish, or is it like a horror mystery drama? Because I know when we talked in the horror episode, yeah. you talked about like the scene where he... You know, is visualizing like I, I left something there. It is the it's the closest thing you'll ever get to understanding what OCD is. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, you know, it's it's not a straight horror movie. In uh, you know, Von Trier would never say it was because okay. he didn't think he did a horror movie with Antichrist. Uh, he said that it's not a true horror movie. Um, Even though she fucking <laughs> drills into yeah. his fucking leg. Yeah. God. Uh huh. Yeah. But that's not until the end. Anyway, um, I'm not not seeing your point. Anyway, uh, no, it's really if he wasn't a serial killer, right? If we didn't see these murders happen, it would be a drama. It would be a mystery. Um, okay. But there are some images in there that are pretty disturbing. But other than that, you know, it's really just an intellectual conversation between these two men and how he justifies his actions and uh, why he made the decisions he made. 
and how it led to where he is now. And it's mm. fascinating. I highly recommend it. Uh, I have the... Criterion? Well, no. I have the uncut version. Oh, okay. I would let you borrow it, but I can't because it's region B. You would need a region B Blu-ray player to play it. They never released it in the States. Why? I don't know. Um, Maybe Criterion will pick it up later. Um, Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, (laughs) But uh, as of now, I only have it. But you can rent it on iTunes. I was about to say. Censored. Uh, quote unquote it's not really it's just um, he had to do a few cuts it is literally five minutes longer really yeah it's not a big deal huh. anyway, well, yeah, the house that Jack built stay okay. tuned well we hope everyone enjoyed and we'll see you next week awesome Die.